do you know that the Lord is a good God? Come on, you're not acting like it. Do you know he's a good God? Come on, if he's a good God, give him a good praise. Come on, he's been better than that. He's been better than that. Oh, my God. Oh, Lord our God, how excellent is your name in all of the earth. Lord, you are a good God. God, can't nobody do us like you can do us. Thank you for saving us, redeeming us, delivering us, turning our lives around, and giving us another chance. God, we've not come this morning for show, form, or fashion, but we've come because we want to worship you in spirit and in truth. And God, we thank you that we have a place where we can come and worship you freely. God, we ask that our praise and our worship today will be a sweet-smelling fragrance unto thee. God, thank you for the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church. Thank you for Pastor D.Z. Cofield and how you have joined pastor and members together over these now 25 years. And God, we pray that you'd be in the midst of us today. Let your spirit continue to flow. Anoint your preacher afresh, O God, for this glorious hour once again so that we may preach your word with supernatural power. And, oh, God, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts, we pray they would be acceptable in your sight. For, Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. In the name that is above every other name, Jesus Christ, we pray. All of God's people said amen. 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 Can you put your hands together one more time? Amen. My brothers and sisters, it is just so good to be in the house of the Lord today. And I told uh, the 8 o'clock that I can't think of a better place to be than to be here at the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have met your pastor and how we've developed a, a wonderful kinship, a brotherhood, a friendship. And he is a big brother to me, and he, uh, he do does not know how much he poured into me uh, our week together in Switzerland. I'm so thankful to have my wife and children with me today. Uh, we indeed, I just wanted to come and worship, but Pastor put me to work. But I'm glad to have them with me today, and uh, we have had a great, great time here in the city of Houston. We are in Springfield, Massachusetts, where it's cold most of the time. And we are native Floridians, and I told the 8 o'clock service, y'all know we ain't got no business in that cold. So we have just enjoyed ourselves this week in Houston. My children are not even ready to go home, so y'all pray we can drag them on that plane this afternoon. Uh, and I have some friends, they told me they were coming, and I don't know where they are. I'm not going to try to point them out, but it does remind me, Pastor, of um, a gentleman who went to a church one time, and he walked all the way down to the front row and uh, sat next to this beautifully adorned lady, and as he got ready... The pastor got ready to preach. This gentleman leaned over uh, to that lady, and he said, you know, that preacher there can't preach a lick. And the lady didn't say anything, and as the pastor kept going on, uh, the gentleman leaned back over to the lady again and said, I declare, that preacher can't preach a lick. And the lady, you know, she was getting a little uh, disturbed, um, but she still didn't say anything. And so after a while, uh, the pastor got into his real good groove, and the gentleman leaned over again disrespectfully and said, I declare that preacher can't preach a lick. And, and the woman had taken all that she could take, and she leaned over to him and said, Sir, do you know who I am? He said, No, ma'am, I don't. She said, Well, I'm the wife of that man. Uh, you say can't preach a lick. And after a while, the brother leaned back over to her and said, Ma'am, do you know who I am? She said, No. He said, Thank God. <laughs> so I'm not going to tell you who my friends are this morning, but you just say amen, all right? Amen. Again, I'm grateful to be here. I ask that you would turn with me 
in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter number 4. Hebrews chapter number 4, and I'd like to read for your hearing verses 14 through 16. This morning I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Please follow along in whatever version of the Bible that you might have. I see some standing. If you desire to stand, if not, certainly remain seated. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Listen for the word of the Lord. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. From those three verses, I simply want to preach from these words, I'm sticking with the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I don't know about you, but I'm sticking with the Lord. Amen. My brothers and sisters, not too long ago, I was flipping through a Christian magazine and I ran across an article that highlighted a caption within it that arrested my attention. The caption read, Christianity losing, secularism winning. It said, Christianity losing, secularism winning. I began reading the article in greater detail and it stated that the Pew Institute asked 2,973 people nationwide a question, and the question was, what is your present religion, if any? Are you Protestant, Catholic, Mormon, Jewish, Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, atheist, agnostic, or something else, or nothing in particular? And interestingly enough, church, the data revealed that the number of Americans who identified themselves as Protestant was only 48% of all persons who were polled. That number, 48%, was down from 53% just a few years ago within the same amount of people when they were asked the same exact question. The data also revealed that the number of Americans who stated that they did not identify with any religious group at all was steadily increasing. And that number was growing at an incredible pace. And in fact, the number of persons that did not identify with any religious group at all is growing so fast, don't miss this, until one-fifth of the entire U.S. population and one-third of all individuals, 30 and younger, stated that they were religiously unaffiliated. I'm going to say that again because apparently you didn't hear what I said. One-fifth of the entire U.S. population and one-third of all adults, 30 and under, stated that they were religiously unaffiliated. And besides that, what I found particularly interesting, please hear me in that article, is that the article stated, or displayed rather, two graphs that were trending in opposite directions. One graph, Pastor Cofield, was trending upward, and that upward graph depicted persons who were unaffiliated with any religious group whatsoever. That number was rising from just over 15% to just under 20% in the last five years. However, the graph that was trending down, unfortunately, were those persons who once named themselves to be staunch believers in Jesus Christ, but now are no longer. When I shared that information with some pastor friends with whom I was sharing a meal recently, there was a friend of mine who facetiously stated, Doc, it seems as if the approval rating of Jesus is dropping fast. And while everybody at the table at the time when my friend made that statement, we kind of chuckled, I have to be honest and tell you that I, when I got to my hotel room later that night, the article that I read and the comment that I heard started bothering me. It bothered me that Christianity is seemingly losing and secularism is seemingly winning. 
It bothered me, stay with me, that Christianity is trending downward and as good as the Lord has been to each and every one of us, his approval rating is dropping fast. Now maybe that doesn't bother you, but it does bother me uh, because as good as the Lord has been to me and to you and even to this country and this nation, it bothered me that his approval rating was dropping. And therefore the Lord placed this word on my heart because I want to serve notice on the world and those under the sound of my voice that while others may be leaving Christ and leaving Christianity and even leaving the church, I made up in my mind that I'm sticking with the Lord. If that's you, why don't you look at your neighbor and tell him, me too. I made up my mind, good hope, that as good as God has been to me, that God has brought me through too many dangers, toils, and snares. I've just personally made up in my mind that as rough as things have been, as difficult as seasons may have become, I want to suggest that our only hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, in fact, I take the position that Peter took in John chapter 6, verse 66, where it says, From that time, many of the disciples of Jesus walked away from him. Uh, in John 6, 6, 66, uh, it teaches that there came a time in the ministry of Jesus where people started deflecting from him. There was a time in his ministry where people saw how good he had been, but after they saw him raise folk from the dead, after they saw him feed 5,000, after they saw him cast out demons, the text says that there were still some people that walked away from Jesus and Jesus in verse 67 of John 6 turns to Peter and the disciples and asks will you also walk away and Peter in verse 68 declared these words Lord to whom shall we go thou has the words of eternal life and we believe that thou art the Christ the son of the living God in other words Peter was, Peter's reply was Lord I'm still with you and I believe with all of my heart that that ought to be the stance of every person under the sound of my voice regardless of how many tears you had to cry regardless of how many floors you had to walk regardless of how many burdens you had to bear regardless of how many bills have been building and your finances have been fleeing you ought to be able to look back over your life and recognize that when you add up all of your good days and put them next to your bad days your good days still outweigh are y'all gonna help me preaching here I'm talking to somebody who may have gone to the doctor and you received some bad news your result ought to be even in my sickness I'm sticking with the Lord and I mentioned this church because this is the aim of the writer of Hebrews. His purpose for pinning this passage is to get his listening audience to stick with the Lord. In verse 14 of our narrative, keep your Bibles open, the writer of Hebrews, believed to be Paul, is getting his listening audience to hold fast to their profession. Look at verses 15 and 16. Uh, the writer is giving us several reasons that I want to share with us today. The first reason I want to suggest that we ought to stick with the Lord is that the Lord is acquainted with our problems. The Bible lets us know that Jesus knows what we are going through and Lord he knows what our problems are. I did not say that the Lord is just aware of our problems because I've discovered that there's a difference between being aware and being acquainted. When someone is aware that suggests they recognize where you have been but when you are acquainted it means you can relate to where I am. Jesus knows what 
what we have been going through. The text says we have not the kind of high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. Please don't miss that good hope because this teaches us that we serve the kind of Savior that's touched by our tears, that's moved by our maladies, that feels our frustration. He can relate to our ridicule. He knows what we're going through. And one of the reasons why we can stay with the Lord is because when nobody else understands what we are going through, the Lord understands. We stick with the Lord because when we can't talk to anybody else, we can talk to the Lord about our trials. And aren't you glad that when you talk to the Lord, he won't tell nobody? I ain't got no real people in here. You got some people that you tell your trouble to and they tell you they're not going to tell anybody. But as soon as you hang up the phone, they call somebody else and say, child, let me tell you. Now, don't you tell nobody, but let me tell you what somebody just told me. But when you take your burdens to the Lord, the Lord will take your sins and he will take your burdens and he will give you an answer for them and tell nobody else. It's dangerous to allow our culture to dictate our trends and our tendencies. I don't care what's popular. I don't care what's hip. I don't care what's trending. I'm sticking with the Lord. Uh, because when I look back over my life, and if it was good for grandmama and him, if it was good for mama and daddy, it's good enough for me. Would you look at your neighbor and tell them, stay with the Lord. And the reason why I'm staying with him is because he's acquainted with my problems. And maybe that doesn't shout you this morning, but it's something to be able to talk to somebody who knows just where you are. It's good to be able to talk to somebody who knows what you are going through. And when your world is crumbling, you can take your burdens to the Lord. But then secondly, I stick with the Lord because he gives access to his people. The Bible says that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. I'm sticking with the Lord because I've got access to the Lord. There's a man by the name of George Barner whose stuff I've been reading now for almost 20 years. He's the founder of a group called the Barner Group. Stay with me here. And the Barner Group is a marketing research firm that specializes in studying the religious beliefs and behavior of Americans and the intersection of faith and culture. And it was asked by his group to persons who didn't go to church as to the reasons why they didn't go to church. And one of the reasons that the Barna group discovered as to why people don't go to church, listen, is because they are not welcomed by church folk. The Barna group did a survey, God help me, and the survey revealed that the reason why unchurched folks stay away from church is because of other folk in the church. Church folk are not welcoming to unchurch folk. And I struggle with that, brothers and sisters, because I wanted to know how is it that the people who used to be unchurched themselves, who are now in church, 
can be so unwelcoming to people who used to be just like they used to be. It was a mystery to me, and so I couldn't figure this thing out. Uh, and while I was sitting in, at home one day trying to figure things out, I was watching CNN, and I found the answer. CNN aired this special called he Heroes, and in this special called Heroes, it's when CNN recognizes ordinary people who do extraordinary things. And not too long ago, church, one of the heroes that CNN honored was a young lady who specialized in recovering wounded animals. She had an animal farm. And what this woman did was her whole ministry was about three things, rescuing, recovering, and then releasing the animal back to their natural habitat. Stay with me. Her whole mission in life was about finding wounded animals. She would rescue wounded animals, recover them and heal them, and then she would release them back to their habitat. As I was sitting there watching CNN, I saw that there was a bird that this lady had rescued that was hurt in the wild. She rescued the bird, brought the bird to her bird farm repaired the bird and while the rescue bird that was repaired was recovering it was attacked by another bird that was on the farm and that bird that was rescued recovered repaired in the process of being released never had a chance to be released because the bird was not killed in the wild the bird was killed on the farm come here church I sat there amazed because in my mind, I would think that every bird that was on the farm ought to have the same appreciation because every bird was recovering. Every bird was being repaired. Every bird was getting ready to be released. But there's a bad bird that was so selfish that it killed another bird, not in the wild, but on the farm. And as I sat there, being offended by the bird. The spirit said, you got some bad bird believers in your church. How dare some of us, as bad as we used to be, try to come to church and stop other people from coming to church who are trying to get repaired just like you are. I believe there ought to be a heart of thankfulness and gratefulness in this church where ain't nobody got to pump you up, ain't nobody got to prime you up. Even if they don't sing your song, you still got a joy in your heart. Is there anybody in here who can open up your mouth and give God a shout of thanksgiving? Because I'm here to tell you, folk who come to church on Sunday morning, they're not coming to get the 411. They're not coming to see who's dating who. They're coming asking, is there a word from the Lord? That means that I've got access to the Lord. Where even if I can't join your ministry or your club, I can still join Jesus. Writer says we can come boldly. You got to understand when the text says we can come boldly, he's not talking to Jews. Hebrews was written to Gentile believers. 
And let me tell you something. It does not matter who you are or where you've come from. Jesus can save from the guttermost to the utmost. And somebody in here has the testimony, McFadden, you walking down my street. I didn't get saved in Sunday school and BTU, but I was found on the club, in the club, on the corner. I was found doing stuff I should not have done, but I came to Jesus just as I was wounded, weary, and sat, but I found in him. Is there anybody in here who's still glad that you're saved, glad that the Lord rescued you, and now you've got access? Listen, lest I hold you too long, the Bible suggests that we ought to stick with the Lord because he's acquainted with our problems. We ought to stick with the Lord because he gives us access. But then lastly, I love this one. We ought to stick with the Lord because he's able to provide. I declare church folk don't know when to shout. Now, I know that when I talk about the Lord being Jehovah Jireh and him being a provider, we get happy about that. We get happy about the Lord being a provider because we think God providing for us just means houses and cars and material possessions. But there's another reason to get excited about God's provision because there are two things that God provides in the text that money cannot buy. And I've discovered that as good as money is, there's some things that money just can't buy. As resourceful as money is, there's some things that money cannot buy. Money can buy a nice house, but money can't buy a home. Money can buy the medicine, but money can't buy your good health. Money can buy the finer Sealy Postropedic mattress, but money can't buy you a good night's sleep. Money can buy you filet mignon, but money can't buy you an appetite. Money can buy things, but the best things in life, the show cannot buy. And the text declares that there are two things that God provides for you and me. Look it up. He says, I'll praise God for the rest of my life. Why? Because he provides grace and mercy. Preach Calvin McFadden. I'm doing the best I can. The text says that when we come to the throne, we can obtain mercy. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I need mercy. Uh, Can I tell you mercy is God withholding from us the stuff that we deserve? In other words, we should have died last night. We should have been in jail. Some of us deserve to have cirrhosis of the liver as much liquor as we... Y'all ain't talking to me. Some of us deserve to have cancer as many cigarettes as we smoke. Some of us deserve to have HIV as promiscuous as your word, but thank God for his mercy. Look at somebody and tell them, thank him for his mercy. Justice says you should have died last night, but God in his infinite wisdom gave you some mercy 
Well, brothers and sisters, if you can't praise God for mercy, you sure ought to be able to praise him for grace. Because if mercy is God withholding stuff we don't deserve, great that we do deserve, grace is God giving us stuff that we don't deserve. Can I tell you a little story? There's a little boy by the name of Johnny. He's always Johnny. Johnny was sitting in class one day and the teacher says, tomorrow I'm giving you a test and I'm going to grade you on what you've earned and then I'm going to give you some grace points. Johnny went home and asked his mama, mama, what, 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 what is grace? And you know, sometimes we as parents, we don't always have a, a quick, easy answer. She just said what she was taught in BTU. She says, baby, grace is God's unmerited favor toward us. Little Johnny still didn't know what that meant. He ran on back to school the next day, took the tents, and he couldn't sleep at all that night wondering what grace was. The third day he got back to school, and the teacher started calling out the names of the students. You know, y'all got a smart pastor. She said, DZ... 90 points earned, 5 points grace, 95 passing grade. Got to Calvin, 80 points earned, 10 points grace, 90 passing grade. Then she got all the way down to Johnny. Johnny, 60 points earned, 20 points grace, 80 passing grade. Little Johnny ran home and said, Mama, I know what grace is. Grace is when you've done your best and your best ain't good enough. God will make up the rest. Is there anybody in here who knows about the grace of God? Open up your mouth. Give God a shout of praise and thanksgiving for his mercy and his grace. Grace woke you up this morning grace started you on your way grace put food on your table grace put clothes on your back and I'm done with my sermon you better get your own shout but would you help me close my sermon look at somebody and say neighbor I know you're tired of me but can I tell you something when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, I can't help but praise him. Scoot over some and let me put my praise into action. I'm going to open my mouth, lift my hands, and tell God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Should have been dead, but I'm sticking with the Lord. Ain't he all right? I said, ain't he all right? Somebody shout, yes, yes. Yes, the more I praise him, the better I and the better I feel the more I praise him the more I praise him the better I feel and the better
Thank you.